It didn't take much more than a bottle and two chairs to make a speakeasy. This is what Daniel Okrent said in his book, Last Call, The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Today, join us for some stories. Get your own bottle, glass, mug, and relax. This is Speak Easily, and I'm your host, Krista Stoffer. So you you used to be the, the last one showing up? He always gave me, when we were on tour together, he gave me crap because um, while I would go to the theater with him, I didn't put my initials on the sign-in sheet, and that would mean the stage manager hunts down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you no, in guy. hindsight, I should have been better about that. But I was there. You were but, there. But I wasn't on at the top of the show, so I also had oh. extra time. I had, like, three scenes in, and I was covered in fabric for my first scene, so it was not something you're, like, to get... in a rush. You're like, I need to, to get feel ready for. this. And in your yeah. eight-month, you know, eighth month of the tour, mm-hmm. yeah, you start to get complacent. Doing. And I, I look back on that and say, okay, that was where I could have been better. Because complacency uh, is not good. It's not good. Um, Do you, are you like early in most things in life? Because you seem like you are yeah, a pretty time yes. conscious person. Yes, you have to be. Yeah. So yeah, I have to be Yeah. thinking of that because you have to give yourself flat tire insurance, right? I agree. You know? I agree. And like, I get anxious if I'm late. Yeah. I mean, if something's happening, yesterday I had an event and I went to I was thinking it was in a different place, which was five minutes away. Mm-hmm. Didn't go there, checked at the last minute, and then I get a text, you doing okay? And it was like, I was there two minutes late, and I felt horrible. Because to me, that's, I, I need to be there. I need to mentally be I, I can't where I be am. shot out of a cannon. No, no. I need to know I'm yeah. what's going on, and I like to kind of feel the room. And The hardest part of our job at the airline is being where you're supposed to be on time, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of factors that you fight against, though. Yes, and you have to plan for them. So that's what creeps in and manages your day a lot of the time. In the moment, things are like, oh, okay, I know what to do here. Yeah. But, like, in the headspace. Planning ahead. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. So, like, tomorrow you have a 6 a.m. flight. Right. What time do you get to the airport? This is down to the five minute interval because I really. Once the alarm went off at four, I was like, no, ma'am. And so I was like, can we push it to 410? Yeah. Can we push it to Do you have separate alarms set? As long as I'm out of the house on the way to the airport by 445, okay. I'm going to be comfortably okay. Okay. If I pushed it past that, it takes away from my coffee time. It mm-hmm. takes away from, did I get a seat assignment? Did, like, you know, it's just stuff like yeah. that. What if TSA makes me go through longer security, which they sometimes do? I, you, you have to be variables. Ready for all so you have to be ready for that. Because you. It would be very unfortunate to miss a flight for any of those things. Well, that's true. And you probably get dinged for that. No. No, but I mean. You, no, because they're like I was saying, you know, micromanage. Now, if I were flying and I had true. a scheduled time to check in at a gate and I was late for that, I know we have a problem. Yeah. But. For the office, it's you know a little it's bit not more flexible. as strict. You just have to strategically not make that a regular thing, mm-hmm. and also show that it did not affect anything. I, you know, yeah, that makes sense. You know, I'm and the, I'm I'm an early flyer. I am my my grandfather's chi- grandchild in yeah. that he was like he wouldn't sleep the night before just because he was thinking about the trip and planning uh, for the trip. And, and I can I can relate to that. They you know th- the hardest part is tonight. 
Yeah. What's coming up? Right. Like I and I also have a conference in DC to pack for, so I'm really not going to get back home until like Friday night, maybe even Saturday morning. Okay. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna pack and do all those things. And then once you actually do settle down in bed, it's like, no, no, I'm reading. I gotta unwind. Right. But then my but mind goes, about... and crap, I only got three hours of sleep. So it's yeah. it's tough when you've got to do that. Yeah. And you know, if you're not on the rhythm with the rest of your house, the people in it. Those people. Yeah. I mean, we love them dearly. Yeah. But... The other ones who you know stay up late and watch whatever. <laughs> you're like, I hate you both. Yeah. Very much. Having yeah. their late night whiskeys and uh -huh. uh, all those fun things. We love that. How do you how do you plan for a trip then? Because I mean, obviously, you know, like this week you're in you're in the office, so yeah. it's a little more cash and Yeah, it just depends on what like what you're doing. I mean, do you have face to face meetings with folks? Yeah. You know, that would maybe kind of dictate what I bring to wear. Fair. But okay, if how not, do you give us your. So let's start here. How many? We years started yet? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh nice. This is what we do. Hi. Um, hi, Adam Williams. <laughs> <laughs> it's so formal, isn't it? I love Let it. Let me move my page of notes that I have for <laughs> questions for you out of the way. Do you? How long have you been working with the airline industry? Uh, that okay. So eighteen years. I've just started my nineteenth year. Twenty two. Thank you. Right. Flattery gets you everywhere, Krista Stoffer. This is why I do this. <laughs> 18 years. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, I started as a flight attendant. Okay. Uh, and did that for many years, but at the same time, fell into the training department and became an instructor, which was so much fun. You're a natural educator, though, I think, that there's something about you that... You know, I really attribute it to my theater degree mm -hmm. because you, you are naturally comfortable in front of people. Mm -hmm. And when you become confident with what you're doing, you're able to show others. Right. Right? So the, yeah, the teaching came out of just me having a conversation with somebody else who was teaching saying, mm -hmm. oh, I do this. You should try. I'm like, I didn't know that that was a thing. Okay. Because okay. I loved my instructors. Why not? Yeah. Um, we were sitting standby at the airport one night having this conversation. Huh. So I went ahead and found a way to apply and did uh, and started doing it. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is totally letting me. Kind of fills use my of, people skills yeah. and yeah. it changes it up. Right, you're not, you know, con, you know, constantly grinding out flights. You have something else to do to focus mm -hmm. on. But then the beauty of it was when you did that maybe for a few months, you're like, oh, okay, this is a little routine. You can just go right back to flying, and you have a fresher perspective. Oh yeah, and you're just you're more engaged. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you started way back before you were 22. As an actor, did you go to school for acting? I did. Okay. Yeah, for musical theater. Musical theater. Which I've they'd heard like that. to say was very different from the drama department. So <laughs> I was like night and day. <laughs> yeah. Um, Are but you, were you CCM? I was. I went to okay. Cincinnati. Okay. And you know, it was lucky for me because I was in state. I grew up near Cleveland oh, okay. in Lorraine. Oh yes, Lorraine. Which is like that's not Cleveland. I'm like, I know, that's why I say near. Right. <laughs> we had Lake Erie. Of course you did. One of my best friends is from Lorraine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wait, who? Kate Delgado. I don't know. She went to the Catholic high school. Lorraine I'm Catholic. You out. Yeah. Lorraine Catholic. LC. Mm-hmm. Sure. So she got married up. I went. To, that was the first time I was in Lorraine. Was for her wedding. Oh my gosh. Twenty some years ago. Well, hello, Kate. We should Hi, meet Kate. sometime. You absolutely should. Yeah. She's delightful. Um. Yeah. So. I was auditioning all over the place at the places they told you were supposed to audition. You know, you go to Carnegie Mellon, you go mm -hmm. to Michigan, you go to, well, then Syracuse was on my radar. Yep. Um, I had plans to go to the Boston Conservatory and mm -hmm. look at them, but that 
was not a thing because Cincinnati was like, yes. So, yeah. You know, okay. it was it was good for us because it was in state. Uh-huh. It was in state tuition. Yep. There was only one other person in my class from Ohio. Oh the, wow. The re- which was very interesting because there was about twenty, like, there were three of us from Ohio. I think there was twenty five people or so who mm-hmm. were invited in. Uh, and of the twenty two that show up, we had. A small Ohio contingent. The rest were like from Hawaii, California. Why would somebody from Hawaii come to Ohio? It was reputation for the school at the time, Fair. I think. You yeah, know? but still. Yeah. I think that that person's probably like, what was I thinking? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> Why am I here? Knowing Hawaii now, I'm like, man, it's tough to leave Hawaii. But yeah. when you live in Hawaii, it's very different. Did you go to school with Matty Welsh? I did. I he was that. a year behind me. Okay. Yeah. Yes. That's great. It's wonderful. Funny. We met at Kosai. We were nice. friends from Kosai. Oh. He was a great encourager to get me back into theater. He's so. a good egg. He's so wonderful. Yeah, we still keep in touch on Facebook a little mm-hmm. bit. He's like, you're here, you're doing this. I saw him in New York several years back. Mm-hmm. Yep, met out with him, and he's exactly as wonderful as he was Yeah, the day I met him. He's so. just great. What a time. I mean, it was, you know, this was 95 to 99. Mm-hmm. So when I graduated there, it was at the turn of the millennium. And, you know, we, we played yep. that up. You had to shut your computer off at midnight? Well, we, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't kid. We did. No, we, I, <laughs> I, remember, I remember that New Year's of just like, are we going to die? I think I had a lot of. There was that moment of like, woohoo. And then we all just sort of looked at each other and looked yeah, at our watches okay. and looked at the sky. We're and still here. Okay, we're all, we're all fine. Okay. He's all right. Refill me. Yep. Yeah. I think we did that. <laughs> and I went to bed shortly with Harry Buffalo. It does it to you. <laughs> That was my sophomore, junior year in high school, or college, oh, not wow. high school. At Otterbein, right? At Otterbein. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So you went to CCM. You graduated. What did you do right after that? They are very good and still are mm-hmm. very good about getting you good exposure right away. So, okay. you know, and, and a lot of schools do this now. I know Otterbein does. The, just the showcase. Mm-hmm. So you spend most of your senior year planning for that. Yeah. And my God, they really set it up to be like the biggest day of your life until it's not, right? Like you're <laughs> sort of like January first, two thousand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like everything's okay. <laughs> yeah. So we, we put in months of work for this hour long review, which at the time showcases had a theme. Mm-hmm. They've gotten away from this. What did you say? Well, we well, okay. So okay. To, we had the theme was millennium. Of course. We wanted to put yeah. that out there. Um, because it was new. Yeah. Was doing and it. so we were exploring <laughs> themes of like what it meant to work, mm. um, people who were discriminated against in work. So hence 9 to 5 came up. We okay. Somebody sang, you know, the girl sang that. We sang What You Own. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we threw in some Van Halen. Uh, we sang Right Now, which was a very like 90s oh, yeah. sort of song. I remember that video. Yeah, right. And uh-huh. it's giving you all those facts about like yep. what's happening in the world. So that was relevant. And then we... You know, all the adult themes of love and children and heartache. And then we wrapped it up with Next from Pacific Overtures. And, um, you know, about exciting things to come that we we know about or are hoping for. Um, They, for a long time, they said it was their favorite one. Oh, nice. The the folks at school. But now I think showcases are now just sort of like, don't theme it. Just get up, do your thing. And and I think the industry professionals find that more efficient, which I agree. Makes sense. Yeah. But (laughs) the time we spent putting into constructing the perfect hour with the most even features, and that was on us. And we had to bring that to our professors and and they would. hmm? Like for their approval? Right. And then they would, you know, adjust it. And there were some hard nights, you know, figuring all that out. But when we finally put it up, it was 
was fine. It was good. And then you do it, and then you do it once at school, and then you mm-hmm. go to New York, you do a couple of shows there. Mm-hmm. And they, um, you'd have a reception. Okay. You would schmooze with whoever you could mm-hmm. schmooze with. But then at the end, everybody would leave except us, and they kind of left little notes for us to pick up as to who might have wanted to engage with us later and talk to us. Ooh, oh, my gosh. That's and then, nerve-wracking. Yeah, it was very nerve-wracking. Um, I don't know how they do it now, but that's, oh. that's what it was then. But, yeah, and so, uh, you know, some contacts came out of it. It was yeah. good. But I fell immediately into the show I did with Tom. Okay. Oh, that guy. Um, who, that Tom <laughs> Christopher Warren guy. And full disclosure, we had a full showmance out of that. Aww. You know, it, it's, it was a showmance. What and show was that? This was the... Uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, it was happening at Paper Mill. Oh, nice. And then we were taking it on the road, although we didn't know how long. Yeah. So we were like, oh, it's going to a few cities. And that ended up being a whole year of work. Oh, nice. That's but, a good job. Oh, man. But had it was a double-edged sword because okay. when you do that, all of the momentum you created with meeting people right out of school, you had to do all over again when you yep. came back a year later. So you go away for a year, mm-hmm. and I'm sure many people – you know, when they're doing cruise ships or what have mm-hmm. you, they have that challenge. Yeah. Which is like, hi, this is me, and I still do this. And <laughs> we talked a year ago, and they're like, huh? I'm sorry, who? Yeah. Wow. But I did that for about four years. Who did you play? What, in Joseph? In Joseph. Oh, gosh. So I was um, ensemble, but the butler. Okay. So I was not a brother, because okay. the brothers were a few actors from New York, but then also the Osmond brothers' second generation Gotcha. Of the family, okay. so they took up the majority of that casting. Who was Joseph in that one? Joseph was Patrick Cassidy. Do I know him? Well, yeah, Cassidy. he's Shirley Jones's oh son, David's brother. Right on. Okay. Because um, I was in it with Sam Harris when he was touring with it. Nice. I was in the nice. children's choir. Oh, sure. One. Yeah. He did it forever. That was a long time. Mm-hmm. I think he met his husband through the show, too. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. The Osmonds were... A big part of that for a long time. If it wasn't Donnie, it was David. It was, you know, like they were always involved. Five, five originals. Okay. So this is Alan's, Alan Osmond, who's one of the original five. It was his sons. Okay. That were in, so that they made up our brothers. Plus, brothers. and then the two littlest ones at the time, you know, at this point they're all in their 30s. Right. But, <laughs> oh God. Um, they were in the children's choir. Okay. So still touring out to every city with us. Yeah. But um, yeah, and we had Deborah Gibson as the narrator. Aww. That was fun. She's lovely. Isn't she it? is lo- lovely. And she's the one that pegged Tom and I for a showmance. She's like, you guys are in a showmance. I totally approve. <laughs> I said, okay, I've never heard that word before. You're like, I'm 20. <laughs> but what was fun is that I got to understudy Patrick. So I went on for Joseph a lot. Oh, cool. Um, and so I, I told her one night, I was like, listen, I have a soft spot that you and I are doing a duet of any dream we'll do at the end of this show because you were my first dance in junior high. Like it was Aww. lost in your eyes. She's like, lost oh my gosh. Yep. She's like, now yep. I'm like, that's you know, one of my in disbelief that you told me that. Cabaret numbers. It's a great song. It's a great song. She's an amazing writer. She she wrote that. She did. And yeah, she, she was wrote, what, 12 when she did? Probably. She She's always written her own songs. And okay. I think she was the youngest person to ever write and produce her number one hit at the time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Or a number one hit. Yeah. And, we were in San Francisco, and I think we got a, an apartment, like a deal on an apartment because we were there for a while. And mm-hmm. so Tom and I were there, and she stayed with us. Aww. So she would just write in the yeah. mornings. She had um, a piano um, in the lobby there, or the foyer of the apartment. Yeah. 
And um, she wrote it at the time. Britney Spears was just coming out. Like mm -hmm. the One More Time album was there with she's in the skirt and she's yep. got her little hmm. the pigtails. Uh -huh. uh huh. And she had a Britney Spears notebook and she's like, I'm writing all these songs in, in this Britney Spears notebook. That that just sort of completes it for me. I'm like, get it, just <laughs> get it. it. Mm -hmm. Was that kind of surreal though? Like this this icon from growing up. I mean, I had Electric Youth perfume. And yeah. I had the the tapes of Debbie Gibson. Yeah, and and you you're just like okay, that was just what I what I had on my radio. Yeah. And now this this is the person in front of me. Right. She's just a great person. Yeah. And who happens to have done those things? But I think when you're in show business, yeah. the celebrity factor is it kind of diminishes. And that helped me for being a flight attendant later to having celebrities uh, on a flight because I was not. I was like, it's just you know, your person. Yeah. You're just a human. Yeah. <laughs> just act nice and it doesn't matter what you do. Right, you don't want to end up in the Town news. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> so you you did the tour thing for a long mm -hmm. time and I toured came back to New York and I was still um so now we're getting into my tumultuous twenties where I didn't know what I wanted to be. Yeah. Uh because Who does? I still worked, I did a lot of readings. I didn't like any of them. Yeah. I was like, I'm lucky to work. Like, I'm right. getting a paycheck. This, just, this yeah. isn't fun. Yeah. Um, so now while you're doing that, your mind will naturally wander. And the Food Network is just starting to be popular. Mm. And I would watch that to sort of like relax okay. and decompress on some days. And it just fascinated me. And I yeah. said to Tom one day, I was like, this looks like so much fun to do. I said, but what do you do in food if you don't want to like – be a butcher or a fishmonger, mm. stuff that I'm not really, yeah. you know, thinking All I'd be very good at. Todd jobs. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, oh, you do dessert. Okay. And I was Had like. Had you done it before? No, because my mom did not like to bake. Oh. She, w if we were lucky, we got Jello no no-bake cheesecake for a dessert. Okay. She was an amazing cook. Yeah. That should be said. The my mom made amazing fun. meal. Like every night of the week, we had amazing food mm -hmm. in my house, and I consider myself very lucky for that. But um, she never – no, des dessert was like Ruggles ice cream out of the bottom freezer. Mm -hmm. and Which isn't bad either. But. No, but then I'm like, well, what is that? Like what does it look like to yeah. bake professionally? Okay. And so I just started to explore it and really explored it. Yeah. And found that it was something I would love to be good at. Huh. And started playing around at home, and then – impulsively, like you go and buy a car, I just marched over to a culinary school in New York and said, hi, I want to go here. <laughs> and we had an interview and oh they gosh. let me in. They'll take your money. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And so off I went. And, and I was, you know, trying to carve out some sort of income with a waiting job and yeah. maybe a reading and then going to culinary school in the mornings every day. Did uh, you go specifically for baking? Yeah. So they have that, like you can say, this is you the can. part of it that I want to do. You can. Okay. Yeah. And this was a small it, – it, at the time, it was called Peter Kump's New York Cooking School. It became mm -hmm. the Institute for Culinary Education okay. in the city. And um, it was very small. It was like maybe a kitchen the size of these two rooms here. Oh, my gosh. And there was seven of us in the class, and it was amazing. You learned. You've got – you're up to your elbows in European butter and Valrona chocolate all morning long. Oh do they just hand you a KitchenAid stand mixer at the beginning? We all had our own mixers. Yeah. That we would, you know, we had our stations. And yeah. They, they taught you how to clean. Mm. You know, cleaning a kitchen is... That's important. So much more than spray and wipe. Uh-huh. Like, there's a lot yeah. that goes into cleaning a kitchen. but Especially with baking, which can get incredibly messy. Yeah. I do wish that it taught me a little bit more about true kitchen etiquette. Huh. 
But there's a lot of things that are learned on the job anyway. Yeah. So then when I stopped there, I you do an externship in a restaurant that will place you. What's the difference between an intern versus an extern? I think it's the same thing. Okay. And I spent a couple of years thinking that they were separate things. And I'm like, I think extern meaning that you were externally out of the school in some other establishment. So like an intern, but. You're an intern. You're an intern. Yeah. It wasn't paid. So you didn't say like, I'm an extern, everyone. Yeah. 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 It sounds like you've been excluded from right. something. I don't know. Right. Or I'm external. I'm not from here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. What a, it was a so weird choice. for a restaurant in New York and. Yeah, so I went – I got placed at this um, a restaurant that is now closed, but it was legend okay. at the time. It was called Gotham Bar and Grill, hmm. and it was Chef Alfred Portale okay. who headed that up. And he was sort of like godfather of architectural food. So if you looked at that cookbook, the yeah. Gotham cookbook, it had, you know, the pasta – they had used a tuning fork and they had brought the pepperdell to be up in a cone and maybe stuck a rosemary in the top of that. So it's this thing that would arrive at yeah. the table and you'd go, oh, well, you know, what, what's your approach, right. right? Or for dessert, there'd be sugar sticks going in every so different vertical direction. So we were building the plates at the same time. Oh so that was very interesting to learn just good baking technique, yeah. but also then the plating That's of it huge. was its own challenge. And so especially for a restaurant in New York where you are clearly being watched with everything that you're yeah, doing. Yeah, and, and, and it was a great kitchen. He was a great chef. Um, we we all got along very well. And what surprised me about that being my first chef, I had a lot of um, intimidation about like mm -hmm. a New York restaurant kitchen. Yeah. I'm like, that, I actually kind of wanted to go to a magazine. Yeah. Gourmet magazine's down the street. Can right. I just work there? Be a recipe tester? They're like, yeah, get in line. Like everybody wants to do that. So no. <laughs> um so I thought it was going to be this, you know, crazy submarine like place where people are just throwing knives at your head all day and, sh and shouting and screaming. Just, and it's that's not maybe some kitchens do that, but it yeah. wasn't ours. And Aww. it was which run, is nice for you. No, it was amazing. It was like a lab. Oh wow! People just were quiet. They had their heads down. They did their work. They did their job. <laughs> yeah. If it did get stressful, if a voice did get raised, it was for a very good reason. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like. It, and even that would be like a safety thing or, yeah, you know, because a kitchen really won't function any better no. when there's It's screening. not what you see on the, on the shows. Yeah. You're not seeing like The Bear, which we can, mm -hmm. if you've seen that show. Mm -hmm. I've not. But. It's, it's triggering. <laughs> um, I mean, I know it's a high stress environment, but if you know what you're doing and you're doing your job, I would think it's yeah just day to day work. Yeah. And, and there were, you know. Mistakes happen. Things yeah. get stressful. Right. But what I loved about kitchen camaraderie is that you would do that. You'd finish your night, mm -hmm. right? At the end of the day, the world still turns, right? Yeah. We clean our kitchens, and we all go out and have beers. Like Absolutely. it never happened. No. We were so good at that. Oh, the way it should be. Yeah. And and the the two or three restaurants, three restaurants that I went to after were like that as well. So I made oh. sure I surrounded myself by people who, A, were better than me mm -hmm. because you don't learn. Right. If not. Right. But also professional. Yeah. The way it should be. The way it should be. The way everything should be. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be stressful. Uh, no, I, I firmly agree with it that. It was an amazing time. So then 18 years ago, you decide to be a flight attendant. Yeah. What because was the impetus for that? That was, okay, so the better I got at cooking, I ended up in a sous chef position okay. in a restaurant that... Really, the more responsibility you get, the more kind of chained to yeah. the operation you are. I think that's true in most places. 
um, most industries. Okay. Um, but it got to be so demanding because really it's like as a pastry cook or sous chef or the actual pastry chef, mm -hmm. you're at the time you were the last to get the equipment. They would put you in a corner of the kitchen somewhere and the desserts were great. Right. But yeah. it was not without its struggles. And if you're a sous chef, woohoo, you got a title, but guess who's staying at work when the other person calls out sick. So it it's turned, on you. Yeah, yeah, it turned into, you know, 80-hour weeks. And mm. and that wasn't sustainable. Yeah. So, and you could ask Tom. Was but he touring at the time too? On and off. Okay. Yeah, and at that time I wasn't able to see him so easily. So mm. there were there were challenges there, but I think gosh, I was literally booking a home flight for Christmas one night. Mm. Um and and click 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 and then I looked at the bottom of the airline's website and it said career opportunities and I it must have been just an act of huh oh my god take me out of this yeah that I put the resume in oh my gosh and two weeks later they called and at the time I was like hey Tom what do you do when an airline calls you and wants an interview and he's like what because he has so much experience I was like I don't know he's like but this happened he was like I think you need to go huh. And so I did. Yeah. And had this amazing day of interviews with people who worked there. There was like two one-on-ones, a group exercise, which was fascinating. Hmm. And at the end, there was down it was me and two other people just waiting to talk to a group of managers in what they called a panel interview. And I was like, ooh, final callback. Now I know what this is. <laughs> like five, six. Seven, it's final, it's final yeah. callback. <laughs> And they and offered, worked. and that day they offered me a spot in a oh training class. And Tom was really hesitant. He's like, "Wait, wait, what? Wait, okay." okay I'm oh, I didn't think that through. Yeah. yeah, and he was he was really nervous. He was like, "Maybe, maybe I'm gonna owe him huge for you know doing this." This ended up being the best thing that's ever happened to yeah. us. Yeah, and and it rescued me out of a mm -hmm. a routine that probably would have ended Bad. badly one way or another. Yeah, for sustainability. Um, but man, it gave me so much work ethic. Mm -hmm. Theater. And cooking make you train you for what you're doing. Train train you yeah. for almost anything because you're so you're so adaptable. Yeah, you know you un you understand what it means to work hard and get a good product. I you're good with routine. Turn on a dime when you need. That's to. right. Yeah, that's right. So Jeez. I would to anybody in theater who you know is having trouble or thinking of changing careers, you know you can be in that amazing program that I went through mm -hmm. and still choose to leave. But you should like to fly. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I feel if, like that's a big piece. If you are afraid of flying, I would say run. But Don't um, do that one. Actually, yeah. I had a lot of misgivings and fears about things that happened on the plane prior. Mm -hmm. Tom was like, you really want to do that post 9-11? Mm, I said, yes. True. Yeah. I do. Okay. Well, what about all the times you've been on the airplane going home and something like you heard something and you got jumpy. I said, yeah, well, I guess I'll find out what that was. Right. And I did. Yeah. And, and that's so much of it. It's like, Oh, the noise you hear, you hear yeah. those bing bongs and you're like, Oh God, something's wrong. There's yep. an emergency. No, the flight attendants were just calling each other. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, Somebody farted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe. Yeah. So, and I know for me, I mean, I grew up with my family in, in the airline industry. Mm -hmm. So we, and this is back in the 80s. Yeah. And, you know, you could still smoke on the plane. I know. <laughs> like, you yeah. get the non-smoking. Non-smoking section. Yeah. Sure, so, that, that smoke stayed right, right. where it was supposed to. <laughs> Just 
The seat behind, you're fine. <laughs> no, I know. Totally Just don't do it in the bathroom. You better not. You don't do it. You better not. Or vaping. Let that be yes, known. Don't, don't vape. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, but we used to drive other passengers nuts because we were so used to flying. And this is when mom would say, like, we'd, we'd leave church on a Sunday. Yeah. Fly to Dallas, have dinner in Dallas, and fly back that night. That's amazing. Yeah, because we could. And you dressed up. We did dress up. You had to look good. We flew non-revs, so we represent the airline. And this this has come out on different podcasts, but I'll tell you because you'll appreciate. So Mm -hmm. we would fly every summer to see my grandparents in Arizona. And we would fly non-rev, so mm-hmm. we were dressed to the nines with our nice dresses and nice shoes. And Amazing. Our, our white tights underneath because it was the 80s. Mm-hmm. And we stopped somewhere once we got out of the airport so we could change clothes and just put our shorts and T-shirts on. And my grandma said, why didn't you guys take off your white tights? We did. We're just pasty <laughs> white children. That... We wear these tights so often we've never seen uh-huh. the sun. <laughs> just, just that white, Grandma. But anyway, yeah, that was, but that, I mean, we knew the flying industry and we knew yeah. what it was like. And, you know, dad worked everything from the desk to <clears throat> the one day when the toilet opened up, unfortunately, while he was trying to clear it out. <gasps> yeah. That was a Wait, crappy so, day at so, work. Sure. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. That's like my worst fear. Yeah. It happened to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did like. He did everything. He did everything. On the ground. He was rotating. Yep. Like, that's yeah, amazing. He did all that. And then my grandfather and my uncle both worked kind of in the office. So yeah, there are airlines that do that depending on the city. It's like, oh, I worked the ticket counter, then I ran Yep. over yeah. the gate, went downstairs making sure the bags are okay, yeah. went back up to the gate. Yep. Like, man. But I think that, that that has still given me very much an appreciation for what flight attendants and airline workers do because it's a yeah. lot. Well, and also they're – they're all connected. Mm-hmm. What they do affects me. What I do affects them. Yep. It, we all we we should never be in our own bubble, not thinking about what the other department is thinking no, about. No, because if one goes down, then yeah, you're going to have safety issues arise yeah. when you don't communicate. There was things. an airline that um, there were strikes starting to happen, probably about four or five years ago, yeah. and the the folks that were working out in baggage went on strike as they were loading up our bags. And so they kept they I mean they were very wow. informative of what was happening, but they just said there's a strike that's happening and right now we don't have anyone to load the bags. Yeah. The flight attendant went off of the aircraft, loaded every single bag herself and came back on. Amazing. And it was just like and awful. But it, I yeah, know, like it was miserable because I mean, when strikes happen nobody too. wins. But No. It, but I mean yeah. it just showed how much that she cared and but she yeah. wanted to make it happen as much as anybody else yeah. did. So. And just a work group standing up for themselves and you I have offered. to applaud that too. They wouldn't let me. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know what lady, I'll help. <laughs> it didn't work though. Yeah. What is, okay, I mean, and this is, this is terrible, but I want to know like some of your horror stories because. I I always get asked this and I'm, I'm sad to, you, you know. don't have anything. Well, it's not that I don't have anything, but my stuff is pretty low key because. Okay. Somebody taught me very early on, they're like, people are going to want to know what your story is. And if you show up to work with the right dynamic in your brain of it's not going to happen today, not on this plane, Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen. Yeah. It does. You know, you you have mechanical things come up and you have people who should not be on an airplane show up on your plane. Yeah. um, For whatever reason. Right. But no, it's my my flights are pretty chill. Yeah. when When I would do that, I was like. 
if I'm not freaking out, they won't freak out. Right. So even though I have six things to do, yeah. there's no reason for me to walk with blinders on, mm-hmm. full urgency to the back of the plane, which is going to alarm 200 people. Absolutely. Why am I doing that? And then when they yeah. see me you know, spinning and going up and down, they're just going to maybe ask for more things. Oh, you're working. You look busy. Could <laughs> oh, I have a water? Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it's sort of this natural human phenomenon. So I don't really bring that dynamic right. into it. That said, sure, things come up. Um, you know, mechanical things every now and then. But I do consider myself lucky. But um, I think it's the attitude that you bring. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure you and I are very similar. And that's yeah. what I do with productions as well. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be the stressed out one and the, no. the negative one. And no, usually and the production goes great. Because right. You just make it that way. We say a happy customer is a happy flight attendant. Yeah. Right? This goes both ways. Mm-hmm. So let's just preserve that dynamic and know that we're all here. We're, we're you know, eight hours away from where we need to be. Mm-hmm. We have eight hours to figure this out. Right. We don't have to do it, like, instantly. Uh, so, excuse me. <laughs> Let me <laughs> choke for a minute. Alternatively, mm-hmm. what are some of your most heartwarming things? I was just thinking that. There is one that I wanted to share, <laughs> which, you know, sticks with me a, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to Manchester, England. and what, Seven hour? Six hour? Uh, from New York, that was uh, about not even. That was, okay. like, five and a half, six hours. Um, it's like L.A. Mm-hmm. And we had a very elderly gentleman in his 90s come on board with his son. And I was working in the galley in first class, Mm -hmm. which was a a position I really liked. Mm -hmm. And um, he comes on and damned if he doesn't take his whole roll of board and just put it up there himself. He sits down. We get him a drink. He's the nicest man you could ask for, Uh right? Um, He's just delightful. And his son comes up to us. So we have the flight. Um, the son comes up in the morning mm-hmm. when we're about to do our breakfast service. Um, and his son comes to the galley to say, hey, you know, I just wanted to share that um, my grandfather's having an amazing time with you all. Thank you so much. And I was like, he's, he's delightful. Thank yeah. you. You know, thanks yeah. for telling us. He's like, well, this is a really special trip for us. He, um, he's an Auschwitz survivor. Oh, my gosh. And is going to be featured in a documentary that they're producing. And the film's actually um, being premiered or what have you in Manchester this weekend. So we're going to a film festival to to check it out. I was like, are you kidding me? The man racked his own bag. Yeah. Was the most amazing customer you could have had. He was appreciative of everything we handed out. You know, we had a five-course meal Mm. to hand out. And he loved every minute of it. And he he had that, you know, yeah. for his history. Jeez. So we were all very humbled. By <laughs> yeah, that would bring a few that. tears. But I yeah, just just an awesome, awesome oh, that's so cool. thing to, to have on board. We've had sports teams for the Olympics. Nice. Um, uh, also, the um, we had the wheelchair rugby team on one year. Mm. And watching all of them find their seats without their wheelchairs was just the most impressive thing you've oh, ever seen. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Faster than I ever could have found my own oh, seat. Of course. Yeah. It's brilliant. So you see a lot of humbling things yeah. Um, because you never know where somebody's coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's wild. I, I wouldn't people of all types. And I wouldn't trade it. And... It really just, you know, it enables you to travel, which I feel everybody should do, yeah. even if it's just a one, mm. one country. Yep. You know, you should do it as much as you can. And the people you meet along the way do not, that, you know, it's not lost on me. Mm-hmm. You know. What do you have for tips from 
a flight attendant mm. for travelers. Okay. Um, I love traveling, so but I can learn a thing or two as well. The first thing I would say is pack light. Mm-hmm. You can always pack lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you roll your item, I roll my items. I'm a big roller. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, but if you do have to, and if you've gotten it down, like what you and I do, mm-hmm. whereas we, we don't check. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you do have to check, you have to check. It's okay. Right. Your, bag, your bag's going to be fine. Um, there's ways to track it. Absolutely. It's all good. Yep. But keep that important stuff with you. If it's a passport, if it's medication, um, if your bag operates on a battery of any kind, mm. uh, Make sure you disconnected that battery before you hand it off to be checked. That's big. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is if the it's a lithium-ion battery. This is a safety policy writer now. This is what, what's going it's on what in my head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if it were to um, have an episode and spark, uh-huh. we want to have it with us so uh-huh. we can handle that. Uh-huh. We don't want it down in cargo. Oh. No. Yeah, so when they talk to you about smart bags, that's important. Uh-huh. Yeah. But on the plane... Uh, First, just make sure you listen to the instructions, the the safety demo mm-hmm. that that airline does for you is um, really, really critical. And you may be bored by it, but what's not boring is thinking about how the boring script that you're used to adapts to the plane you're currently on. Uh-huh. That's yep. not boring. That's not boring. That, that changes every time. Mm-hmm. So you can definitely see how many rows you got to your exits yep. and, and think about what you know, using an oxygen mask would really be mm-hmm. if you had to. Yep. Um, and that just, that doesn't even take 30 seconds. And I, maybe it's just the, the acting coach in me, but I mm-hmm. always pay attention because I want, I want you all to feel that I'm paying attention Thank and you. listening. It's Thank important. you. Well, you're giving a presentation. Yeah. Listen, I trust that you, I've talked to exit row customers and make sure they're good to go. We have to do that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, if you're, if you're looking down, maybe you are still listening I can't challenge that. But if, you know, a clump of customers is like loudly right. talking, we would have to go over and be like, hi. I'm still here. You can you can totally keep this going in 30 seconds. Can you yeah. listen to us for, oh, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. But it's a thing. Sometimes it takes a reminder. I'm a huge fan of sitting in the exit row. And I, yeah. re- I realize, I mean, it's, it's the leg room. <laughs> yeah. No, every time I've done it, I end up in lovely conversations with the flight attendants mm-hmm. who sit there and chat and... I mean, I, yeah. it's true though. They like when we fly for business, they usually put us there. Mm-hmm. So it's good. It's a good chance yep. to have a conversation with an airline employee and if it you was. want to. Yeah, it was. <laughs> we talked the entire time about yeah. it, and it actually was very cool because I was traveling for the Parkinson's play, yeah. and so we, you know, we started off with a conversation about the airline industry, yeah. but then it quickly turned to I, I think I'm having symptoms of Parkinson's, and it, I mean, it just was this incredible conversation with a former pilot. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and. You'd be surprised at the walks of life that mm-hmm. airline crew members come from. Yeah. Like we are former lawyers, we're former doctors, nurses, mm-hmm. people who just wanted to chuck it all and go fly. Yeah. But they have these skills in their back pocket. Right. They're amazing. This um, is sad, but I wouldn't do it because I don't like vomit. Okay. I don't handle vomit well. It's valid. Yeah. And I've had children. It happens. It does. It happens when you least expect it. Yeah, and that's what I don't like about it. You mean we have a way to clean that up, but it's at yeah. the same time in the moment it's tough. It's still there. Yeah. It still it's happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> I know. Well, no. no I, you know, anybody who's like, wow, I love vomit. Like, that's true. I don't want to meet them. Yeah, I don't want to be your no. friend either. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I was thinking about? How much I love vomit. Yeah. No, it's, uh, you know, an unruly people, That's that would be difficult because there is nowhere to go and you can't. Yeah, there's 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 pretty specific you know? ways to approach that. 
yeah. that we have to keep in mind. And the majority of people, and I like this coming from the theater world, mm-hmm. it's entertaining to me a lot of ways. If they've got these quirks, you know, how would an actor approach that, oh, yeah. right? They'd want to get into those quirks. And yeah. They'd want to maybe entertain a 30-second conversation to get a little bit more. True. Um, so that, you know, what would maybe annoy another person doesn't, I have a higher threshold for what you annoys do. me. <laughs> You've been in the acting When industry. it comes yeah. to an, a, a customer. But, You've seen it all. But yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. if it's... Just everybody needs to be nice to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we we know that post COVID everything got shifted for so many things. The ripple effect of that with our mental health and whatnot has really yeah. been challenged. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be. But it doesn't have to be. And the plane can be a great experience if you let it be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just thinking of your other customers right. around you. Right. That would be another bit of advice I'd yeah. say. You know, it's not all about you. Mm-hmm. You know, middle seat gets both armrests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I said it. Yeah, you did. Because <laughs> um, they got the middle seat. Yeah, being aware of just, you know, how to be in your space to not yeah. do gross, stupid stuff. Do you – sa- so- Oh, but safety-wise, I mean, I don't know if y'all are aware, of, you know, when Japan Airlines had that evacuation a couple mm-hmm. – a few weeks ago. Yeah. And that, that evacuation was so, so successful because – not only was the crew amazing mm-hmm. doing their jobs, mm-hmm. but those customers did not bring anything with them. Yep. And it's, I think it's it's a big – it is what you're supposed yep. to do. And it, it said in our safety demo, but it's a human instinct to want to have your things with you. And in past evacuations, a lot of people have opened bins to take things out, mm-hmm. and that holds holds things up. So that's another thing to keep in yeah. mind. Your phone's in your pocket. That's okay. Okay. Leave that's, it there. That's what you need. And go, go, go. You don't need anything else. No. Get your people. Value your life. Help the person next to you. Yeah. And let's get out. Right. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. Yeah. It's so, I think too, like for me, and I, I developing anxiety as a, as a parent, I think is a pretty normal thing. But, you know, since having children, I've, I've grown in anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it was awful to me to find out that that started to come out when I was flying. Mm. But the one thing that I always realize on a flight is if I pay attention to the flight crew, mm-hmm. And they're not freaking out. There's no reason for me to freak out. Yeah, I might be freaking out that my coffee maker broke. Sure, <laughs> but I don't but, see that. No, yeah. no, because when there are those sounds and there are those things of like, I don't like that feeling. Mm. Oh, that's a little weird. What I know? would do is just yeah, and what I would do is ask. Yeah, we are all too happy to tell you. Yeah, truly, like we're very sensitive to those who are nervous to be on the airplane, mm-hmm. and I might not have the time to sit and talk you through every step of the way. Right. But you could certainly just say, what was that noise I just heard? I'd be like, oh, it was actually the wing flaps being extended Yeah. Um, for takeoff. Mm-hmm. Whatever. You know, right. you learn those things in training. Sure. And a customer has no idea what those are. All they hear is grinding, rawr, 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 and mm-hmm. we don't know what that is. Yeah. So, yeah. Let, we'll tell you. We'll, we will absolutely tell you. Yeah. If it means that you're going to feel better about it. And that's hard when you are stuck some somewhere and you're scared to death. Yeah. And- yeah. You're not in control. You're not. That's yeah, why that was part of what it, I learned That's where it comes from. Yeah, I know. You're not in control. You're not driving. I don't want to drive a plane. I'm good. There's. I'm, I'm okay not to be a pilot. I don't think that's something in my... We have a big shortage now, so I would say if you do... Yeah. Yeah, check it out. Nobody vomit on me. The door's shut. Well, it depends on what y'all had the night before. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Or for your crew meal. <laughs> God forbid. Oh, 
<laughs> How do you feel about the Foo Fighters Learn to Fly video? That's amazing. It's such a great, oh my gosh. It's still one of my favorites. Oh my gosh, yeah. Every moment of that is wonderful so creative. and perfect. And yeah. What's the best movie about air travel? Uh, there's a lot. Well. I mean, Snakes on a Plane, I'm sure, is up there for you. Okay, do you know that? <laughs> well, let's just talk about Snakes on a Plane. Do you know that I saw that movie, Midnight Show, Times Square, oh my the day it opened? Because I was living in New York. And I had a, a flight attendant buddy with me, and we're like, we got to go. You we got to do it. That was so funny. First of all, we were like picking it apart. It's like, why is there a 747 with only four flight attendants? <laughs> <laughs> Like, Wrong. That's a minimum crew of nine or more. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what's going on here? But yeah, no, we watched that movie, and, and you know, it was all about Samuel L. Jackson just landing those one-liners. Have you seen the uh, the TV edits for that? How could you even attempt? It's wonderful. <laughs> Something about the monkey flying snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll send it to you. I can't. I can't. Oh, I love. She had a microwave in there. I was like, "Oh Lord, this is not this, the airplanes." I did you stand up like, "No, no, 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 it's not right." I was like, "There's no points." Midnight show, and we were just howling oh, that's at the so screen, just part, partly at the audience reaction. Oh yeah, it was yeah. amazing. Um, so snakes on a plane is just a <laughs> it's a good little nugget of entertainment. Um, I don't know. We love airplane. Of you know, airplane doesn't always hold up, but no. it's, yeah. it's it's still airplane. Absolutely. Um, we don't talk about airplane too. <laughs> That was I can't say not, I've seen that. Not one. really a thing. No. Um, but about air travel, I mean, listen, Sully was good. Yeah. It's darker, but well, it's um, it's an amazing story. True. Yeah. I mean, I remember being at work when that happened. Yeah. It was crazy. It's the coldest day of the year in New York. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Ah, I'm proud of you. You're doing it all here. Shush. You you've made Except Columbus the Theater editing. quite you a don't thing. Want me to do that. Oh, <laughs> don't. Am I going to survive this edit? <laughs> well, it's not me doing it. Yeah, so you're fine. What's next for you? Anything exciting coming up? Um, I mean, a lot for just you know, I'm trying to develop this new position that I'm in mm -hmm. at the airline. I I write safety policy for our manuals, which is so much fun. I'm honored to do it. Yeah. Um, I'm just seeing where that goes, mm -hmm. spending a lot of time getting good at it. And he, okay. Tom's like, do you like it? I was like, yeah, I, you know, I'm doing it. Yeah. I don't know if I'm nailing it. Maybe I'm nailing it. I don't I know. know. Like, I'll find it. They have, come have, into play. Yeah, I have my review in a little while. We'll see. But I wish that there was more time for theater. Yeah. It's been really nice to carve out the time to do theater locally here mm -hmm. because that was a big deal. Mm -hmm. It was not, uh, not something I thought I'd ever get to do again. So, yeah. do you have anything coming up? I don't. Okay. I'm I'm concert material. If you can use me for like a weekend or a concert, we can absolutely okay. do that. We'll do that. Yeah. We'll make it happen. Yeah, because um, you know, with show rehearsal schedules, it's so much. And Thursday performances, you know, it's yep. like I'm coming back from Chicago, I wouldn't make it. So I can't really give myself to a theater company's yeah. schedule like that. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but the you know the few shows that I've gotten to do here. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a 20-year break wow. between me okay. stopping and, yeah. and performing again. We got to do two shows together. We had two performances, three performances together. Of Rock of Ages. Mm -hmm. That was amazing. It was fun. Well, and I, I was lucky because I had a good kind of setup. Yeah. They told me way ahead of time that I'd get to help out. 
and then so you had time to plan and oh yeah and then I was watching the rehearsals mm -hmm. the great Luke Bovenizer wrote me a lovely you know sheet. full yeah. tracking sheet yeah. which was you know yeah so accurate like if you're gonna cover somebody cover Luke Bovenizer mm -hmm. but hi Luke hi. um Shocker, Luke has not been on the podcast. I just thought about that. We'll have to get him on here. Yeah, get get Luke. Yeah, yeah. You got stories. He does. Yeah. You know, your husband actually helped me through another flying debacle we almost had. It was when we extended Spring Awakening. Oh, yeah. For those extra two days. Oh gosh, and I said, so should be that. fine. We're yeah. flying back 1230 the day of that performance. We'll be fine. Three o'clock <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> I know, right? They canceled the second flight that we had. So we were able to get out of New York, but we were going to be an hour late to Tennessee. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm crying. My kid is crying. Crying seems to be the theme for me with canceled flights. But It's hard, though, with Columbus. It's yeah. not you. Sometimes it's not a nonstop. And you got to. Yeah. And I, I had called Tom, and he's just like, see if you can get another flight. See if you can get close. Yeah. He said, can you drive back from Tennessee? I said, Tom, I'm on three hours of sleep with my child in the car. No. Oh. Not safe. Not going to do it. And, you know, COVID was bouncing back and forth. Is what it is. Sick. And I remember going up, and the guy at the desk was so helpful. This was Southwest. And he had looked through every single city that was nearby. And finally he looks and he's like, how fast can you run? Ooh. And I was like, pretty fast. I saw Home Alone. I know what yeah. happens. <laughs> he's like, is your kid okay? I was like, it's great. He goes, I'm going to put you on the flight to Tennessee. You have hey. 10 minutes to get to the next gate. Well, he can if call ahead, though, because he's the one who's putting you he on did. it. That's good. He put us in the front row. The dude next to me was on the app the whole time showing me in the airport where to go. He said, I'm going to block everybody behind you so you guys have a chance. And Nicely we, done. It was beautiful. Yeah. And there you we were. We cried still. Well, yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, I mean, that was a great incident of, like, everybody helping to. I think it helps to have a time. I see that on the plane. I see somebody, like, heaving, crying. Yeah. And I've, I'm handing him a glass of water. I'm like, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just run through the airport. Yep. yep. Like, <laughs> how's your how's your blood pressure? Yes. It's like That's, all it was just to run through the airport, and there's it's a lot. Bless it. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Oh You're man. You're amazing. Thank oh, you so, so much are for you. coming on. So much more to talk about too. I know. Yeah. So okay. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Land Media. Think big.